another hiding place Hope is safe within your name This we know This we know we promise never to forsake What you began you will sustain this we know, this we know I will call upon the Lord For He alone is strong enough to stay Rise, your shackles are no more Jesus Christ has broken every
just love that song. It's speaking about calling upon the name of the Lord. I share this verse a lot uh, here at Radiant Life, but in the book of Acts, it says there's only one name given among men that we can be saved by, and that's the great and holy and matchless name of Jesus. This next song we're going to sing is called I Surrender. And it really is a prayer. It's you saying, God, I'm going to surrender to you. The easy things, the hard things, whatever things you brought in this morning, you just surrender to him. So I want to encourage you as you sing these words, let it be from the heart. Let it be real. Let it be honest before God.
Kids ministry is such a big part of Radiant Life. Did you guys know that the stats say that 80% of people who come to Christ, it happens before they turn 13? It's the huge ministry. We need to be praying for Amy and the team, Chad, the team with uh, Kids Ministry. Check out this video to learn more. Hey, Radiant Church family. My name is Amy Kinsey, and I'm your kids director. And I'm Chad Bennett, the lead changemaker for Kids Worship. Oh, yeah, Radiant Oh, kids. yeah, Radiant Kids. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, almost there. Yes, powered up. Oh, 
Wait, don't, don't we have something called Powered Up coming up soon for the kids? We do. It's our Radiant Kids Camp in June. It's gonna be awesome. When is that happening? Every Sunday in June this year. We're not doing one week. We are doing every Sunday in June. All five Sundays in June. Every service, so first service at 8.30, we're gonna run it at 10 and at 11.30. So Amy, who's that for? Is that for just the first through fourth graders? No, it's for all of our kids. Toddler, pre-K, kids worship. It's gonna be awesome. Oh, I can't wait. So what's the reasoning behind doing it all five Sundays in June instead of just one week? Well, there's lots of things going on in our community in the summertime and we want everybody engaging in those because our motto here at Radiant Life is live like Jesus and share his love. So we want all of our families to be out engaging in the community and sharing Jesus' love with everyone. And our families are planning on coming on Sundays, so we want to be able to provide that for them. It doesn't get any better than that. Oh, no, man. We're going to be teaching these kids how to raise their game. Bring your friends, bring your neighbors' kids, bring your cousins, niece, and nephews. It's going to be a great time. Let's get powered up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So in case you're wondering, she does play video games like that at home. Uh, we have that Wii and, you know, we play Mario Kart and she's all leaning and everything. It's like, honey, that doesn't help it turn any. Like, so in case you're wondering, that's the, how video games work at the Kinsey house. So, hey, if you're a guest this morning, I'm, my name is Brandon. I'm our community next steps pastor and I have the privilege and honor of uh, bringing a message today. But before we get into it, I just want to remind you guys, yeah, the power up is coming. If you know a kid, you should have them here. So that pretty much encompasses every child. Um, and first Wednesdays, so the first Wednesday of every single month, we gather here in this space from 6 to 7, and we sing a couple of songs, and Pastor Ryan's been giving us um, some devotional thoughts, about eight minutes or so, in Psalms 23, and it's really been awesome and putting it into context. And then we have this huge space where we just pray. And then we sing another song and we get out of here. It's, a, it's an awesome time. If you haven't come to First Wednesdays, I'd strongly, strongly encourage you to come check it out. Just to be clear, it's not this next Wednesday. It's the first Wednesday of the month. I just want to clarify that. And then, hey, you should be sitting on some business cards in the benches there. Our next teaching series called Four Letter Words, right? Like you're going to hear from a variety of staff members about four letter words and it'd be interesting, like, you know those little clouds that are about, like, the cartoon characters? I'm looking out into the audience, and I'm seeing all the clouds, and I'm wondering what four-letter words you guys are thinking of out there. But it's going to be an awesome teaching series. We don't just have these business cards to have business cards. This is a tool for you. And so what you can do is take this business card, you go to your family member or that coworker and you say, hey, we're starting a brand new teaching series called Four Letter Words. I would like for you to join me next Sunday. And then you hand them the business card. And then you can just walk away awkwardly or you can have a cup of coffee with them and continue the conversation. It's up to you, however you want to handle that. But it's really a simple tool and that's a tool for you. And so we have this slogan here at Radiant Life. It says, reach one. Boy, you... Did I say it backwards? So I messed it up. So is it each one? Reach one. 
Wait, reach one? Each one. All right, so I totally butchered that. <laughs> the point is, grab each one and reach out and give it to someone. I messed it up. I'm sorry. Uh, please forgive me on that. Uh, we have a slogan that's much catchier than the way that I just did it, okay? All right. Uh, next steps. Uh, I've been talking about this a lot. It starts next week. If you're interested in what your next step is in your journey with Jesus, circle N right now at the bottom of that little piece of paper. Uh, if you're a guest, we'd love to connect with you. You can take that piece of paper to Guest Central, which is the tall structure out here to the left. But if you're here and you're trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing, or if you've been walking with the Lord for a while and maybe your faith is kind of plateaued, um, this is for everybody. This is a four-week experience. It'll be happening during second service. So that would be right now. So you'd either have to come to first service or come to next steps right now and then go to third service. This is not a replacement for worship, okay? We do have a lot of fun and you'll walk away with stuff, but this is not a replacement for worship. It's a tool for you to evaluate where you're at in your journey with Jesus. And Lord willing, you'll know what your next step is. All right, that's all the announcements out of the way. I titled today's message, Will. Now, if I would have been a little smarter on this whole thing and would have projected this out a little bit, technically this could have been one of the four-letter words in the next teaching series, but it's not. <laughs> this is a standalone message. This is just something that the Lord put on my heart, and I just want to share it with you guys, and, and I teach this out of my own conviction sort of thing. And so we're, I hope that today when we leave here in just a little bit, that we will leave here with a question that we will wrestle with every single day. And I think when I teach, I think I do that a lot where, hey, I want you to leave with this question. Because um, questions help you self-reflect sort of thing. So I'm not going to tell you what the question is until the end of the message. So you got to pay attention. All right. If you have a Bible, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 26. If you don't have a Bible, um, there should be some in the front of the benches in front of you. If you don't own one, take that Bible home with you. I promise you, you will not, like security will not come get you or anything like that. Um, and it's cheaper to take our Bible than going to a hotel, renting a room, and taking the Bible out of the drawer. Like that's, yeah, just take ours, okay? Um, if you have a digital device, the Uversion Bible app, that event should be live. You can put your notes in there. And there's also some devotions to kind of go with today's message. So Matthew chapter 26, and, and right before I get in there, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope that you can observe some things, just surface things. Like sometimes we like to really geek out on the Bible and nerd out on that stuff. But just, just surface observations today. And I hope that we can all take away something on that. So Matthew chapter 26, starting at verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Now, to give this into context and in the scene. Jesus just had the Last Supper with his 12 disciples. It's late at night. Um, he washed their feet. There's that whole scene. And so um, now Jesus is leaving and uh, he's going to pray. Now, 
the Yosemite were like, well, where's that at? I don't even know what that is. So I want to put this a little bit more into context because I think it'll have a more uh, meaningful in the message here. So I know this map is probably really hard to see in the back, but basically here's the city of Jerusalem. There's the Kidron Valley, and then there's the garden on the hillside. Now here's a Google image of um, uh, Jerusalem here. Here's the Temple Mount, and then there's the Kidron Valley, and then uh, the garden is up there on the hilltop. Now, luckily, our lead pastor, Ryan, has been to Jerusalem, and I asked him for a photo, and he took this one. So I'm going to back up for just a second back to Google Maps. and you, can, if you see it up here on the hillside. He's standing over here by the Temple Mount, and then there's the Kidron Valley, and then there's the garden. So, it, like, I guess I envisioned, like, this flowery fountains and, and stuff like that. I just wanted to give you a perspective of where the garden is. And, and the word Gethsemane means olive press. And so an olive press, here's one version of an olive press. It, it's made out of stone, and then they, they carve this groove into the stone, and so they would press in and crush the olives and get the oil, and then the oil would go into this groove, and then they would collect the oil. So this garden is full of olive trees. And so here's one version of an olive press. Here's another version. This one's underground. It was hidden. It's a different style. So you can kind of see the long timber here, and then they put these weights on it. And what would happen is this long timber goes over and it presses down and crushes the olives over here. And that, so it's not as manually intense. They would just kind of put the weight on there and let gravity do all the work. And so there's all this pressure and all this weight on the olives. And this is the garden that Jesus is at. So with those things in mind and those things into context, let's get back into the narrative. He, Jesus, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And so Jesus, he took um, his closest friends. There's Peter, James, and John. That's the sons of Zebedee. You read those in the Gospels. Jesus had these close-knit friends that he had with him, and he was sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed. Read this word with me. Sorrow to the point of death. Now, I don't use the word sorrow a whole lot. Like, I don't even know that I've used it this week other than preparing for this message. But the English translation, it's trying really hard to put some weight into this word, this word sorrow. So here's some of the other English translations and the way that they word this. He plunged into agonizing sorrow. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. And so this, this word, um, sorrow, in the original language is lupe. Everybody say lupe. Lupe. It means grief, sorrow, pain of body, distress, sad plight, or condition. Pain of mind, grief. And so... The, the writers are trying to really like, emphasize how Jesus and what he was wrestling with. He just had his last meal with his friends, and he's about to take a horrific, torturous 
death. And he knew what was about to happen. He knew that he was going to be portrayed and that he was going to be arrested, that he was going to be flogged, that he was going to be nailed to a cross. He knew these things were happening. And so there was this deep sorrow and this grief in his life. Now, if we sit and just pause for a second, we can probably somewhat relate to having sorrow or grief in our life. I mean, funerals, right? I mean, even just reading that word and hearing me say that, you're already flooded with emotions of either that person that you've lost or that person who passed away, but man, they caused a lot of sorrow while they were alive. And so we've all experienced this. And Jesus, he's experienced the same things that we have. You know, co-workers, like we can have sorrow and grief with a coworker. Like we don't even need to see them. We can be in our own little space and we can just hear their voice. And it just like, it brings so much emotion to the surface. I mean, family and kids, right? Like there's that family member that just, it's been broken every Thanksgiving and Christmas and we just, we've struggled. Or maybe we've grown up in the church and we tried to raise our kids. We've tried to train them in the ways of the Lord. And our child has walked away from the Lord. And we're praying for that prodigal son. We're praying for that prodigal daughter. But every night we weep and we just, we're in deep sorrow. And then for those who are married, like we can experience sorrow and grief even within our marriage. I know for Amy and I, in our darkest moments in our marriage, there was a lot of sorrow and grief. And so I want us to just see this observation that Jesus, he knows what's about to happen. He brings his closest friends and he goes to this quiet place. And we're going to observe what he does when he is sorrowful and feels all of these things that are happening. He says, stay here. And keep watch. That doesn't mean like, hey, I need you to guard me with a machine gun and make sure no one gets to me. Like he's not saying that. He's just saying like, I'm, I'm sorrowful. I, I'm grieving. There's all this pain. I, I just need you to, to stay awake with me. And, and, and it's super late at night. They just had the meal. And he says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed to the point of death. I mean, what an observation. I, I don't know about you, but when I've been grieving, when I am sorrowful, when I'm lupe in my life, I try to avoid people. I try to get as busy as I possibly can because I don't want to deal with those emotions and the sorrow. I don't want to deal with the lupe in my life, but Jesus, he goes to a quiet place, he has community, and he brings in his closest friends. And then he's literally in just this posture, prostate, down on the ground, and he prays. And I wrestle with that. I personally wrestle with that. Like, when I'm in my deep, dark moments, is that what I do? So... Let's observe Jesus' prayer. He says, my father, my Abba, my daddy. This 
this word father in the original language is Abba, which in our today's culture would mean daddy. Now, I understand that probably at least someone in this room, like your earthly daddy probably wasn't the best example. Or maybe he wasn't even around. Or maybe he was this tyrant, do as I say, not as I do, sort of father. And please hear me on this, that your heavenly father is nothing like that. And so many times we look at our earthly daddies and we compare that to our heavenly daddy. And it's just not true. And and Lord bless you if you've had a wonderful earthly father. Praise God on that. But Jesus starts off his prayer, my daddy, dad. And so I hope that we understand this um, intimacy that Jesus had with his heavenly father. And guess what, friends? Like you and I can have this personal relationship as well. He continues with his prayer. If it, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And so he didn't want to take this cup of suffering, this weight and this pressure that was coming down on him. He did not want to do what he did for us. And so he says, Dad, is there a different way that we can save the world together? Um, It would be a great time to tell me this, but you know what? I want your will to be done. And so that was Jesus' prayer. But let's observe and see what happened next. Then he returns to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Now remember, put this into context, it's super late at night. They just got done eating. I don't know if anybody else has experienced this, but I've had food comas before, right? Like after a turkey meal, a plate full of tacos, whatever, you know, we get sleepy. Like I eat lunch after Sundays, I'm ready to take a nap on Sundays. And so it's super late. He brings his closest friends. He goes to this quiet place. He's praying to his daddy. And his friends are sleeping. I mean, what a huge letdown. Like, I needed you guys. I needed you. Like, you have no idea what I'm experiencing. I needed you. And I don't know if you've ever been let down before. I know I have. I've probably let down a lot of people before. But Jesus, he's experienced this. He's experienced sorrow and grief. He's been let down by his closest friends. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time. A second time. So this wasn't just a prayer. Even though he's been let down, he's beat up, he's feeling the weight and the pressure of everything on him. He doesn't just do a pray uh, one and done sort of thing. He's praying circles around this thing. He, he's continuing to go to the Father. And for some of us, maybe we need to continue to go to the Father about this thing that we're wrestling with in our life. Um, if you're looking for a book to read, Circle Maker, it's written by Pastor Mark, uh, Mark Batterson, 
And here's a quote from his book. It's a wonderful book. He says, we shouldn't seek answers as much as we seek God. Let that set in for a second. We shouldn't seek answers as much as we seek God. If you seek answers, you won't find them. But if you seek God, the answers will find you. And so it's not a matter of going to God and trying to get our yes, no, maybe so sort of prayers. It's more about seeking after God. It's all about seeking his face, his will. Then we'll receive the answer. But sometimes, I mean, you guys probably don't struggle with this. I do. Like, I'll go into a prayer with an expectation of what the answer is. And so I already know what God's answer is going to be because I just prayed that prayer. Well, Mark here challenges me with his quote. It's more about seeking God. And so now we also see Jesus playing this out where he is seeking after God. My father, so once again, daddy, daddy, understand the intimacy that we can have here. Daddy, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away, if there's not a plan B, dad, may your will be done. Dad, my, my flesh is weak. I really don't want to go through with this, but your will be done. And then he's disappointed by his friends, and he goes back into prayer, and he's seeking after the Father. He, he was looking for an answer, but now he's seeking after God, and we see that play out. And he says, your will be done. So he's praying this prayer again. He's going back into prayer. And then when he came back, he again found them sleeping. So he's disappointed again by his closest friends because their eyes were heavy. You know, they just, they just had the last supper. It's super late at night. So he left them, went away once more, and prayed. The third time saying the same thing. Now, earlier in this same gospel, if you were to flip back 20 chapters in this, the disciples went to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, man, you can preach like no other. Would you teach us how to preach and teach? And Jesus, you know how to heal like crazy and do this stuff with the mud and touching people, and like, could you teach us how to do that? No, that actually never happened. They never asked Jesus how to do those things. But they did ask Jesus how to pray. And so depending on what your church background is, maybe you've heard of the Lord's Prayer. And that's in Matthew chapter 6. And how does it start? It says, our Father, our Daddy. So Jesus taught us how to pray. And he said, pray with this intimacy that you have with your heavenly Father. In heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus, thank you for the air that is entering my lungs, that the oxygen that is flowing through my veins brings me life, and I give you reverence, and I give you glory for giving me life. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad, that you have given me life, that you have blessed me with everything in my life. And so it's this idea that we have intimacy, but also reverence for God our Father. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth it is, it is in heaven. Some of us probably even have this memorized. I have it in the old King James Version. 
And so Jesus taught us how to pray. Some of us may even have prayed this prayer. And now here we are, fast forward 20 chapters in the same exact gospel. And Jesus is feeling the weight of the world pressing down on him. And not only does he teach us how to pray, he models it in the way that he prays to his father. So in spite of having the weight of the world on him, he chose to do the father's will. There's this church word, it's called sin. And sin, it, it can be heavy. It's basically things that, have, that are in our life that have broken our relationship with God. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to take all that. I'm going to feel all that weight. I'm going to take all of that burden. You know, dad, I don't. I don't want to take this cup of suffering, but I want your will to be done. And so the question that I hope that we all wrestle with is this, whose will? We have a fork in the road where we have to make a decision on things in our life. Where is it our will or is this God's will in my life? Or am I just kind of trucking through day by day and I'll insert God when I see fit or when I need him? Now I want to share an example from my life where I was living more into my will than God's will. Um, I grew up and had a very fast-paced lifestyle. Um, I guess to sum it up short, it would be the sex, drugs, and rock and roll sort of lifestyle. And then I became a father. Um, now, that really encroached on my lifestyle. <laughs> In fact, uh, I even got to celebrate my firstborn, my son. He graduated this week from high school. So I'm a proud papa. Um, and so it was interesting knowing that I was going to share this, and then he graduated this week. So it was very interesting. Um, so he was around three years old. Now, what's cool about boys is... I don't know if this is true or not. I think you can be rougher with boys than girls. Like, I was a WWE star. I would body slam him on the bed and the couch. I would throw him. He'd giggle. I'm not child abuse, just so to be clear. Okay. Like, we were having fun. He liked it too. Um, but, like, you know, like, I get nervous. Like, I, I've done it a little bit with my girls. I'm just afraid I, like, I'm going to break them or something. I don't know. But they're tough. Um, so he's, he's about three years old, he's talking, he's interacting, um, you know, we have a lot of fun sort of thing, and, and I'm competitive, and I want, my dad's competitive, and I'm like, I want to be a better dad than my dad sort of thing. At the same time, like, I was wrestling with my lifestyle that I wanted to live and the decisions that I wanted to make. And so then my girlfriend at the time, he's three now, tells me she's pregnant. And I'm thinking, I can barely take care of one kid, now two, and like that's going to cost a lot more money. I got to buy more food. Like I just, I was processing all of these things. And so even after experiencing my son for three years, I encouraged her to go have an abortion. And so... In that moment, I wasn't seeking God's will at all in my life. It was all about me and my desires, my self-centeredness. 
I remember driving up to Grand Rapids. I remember where we parked and crossed the sidewalk, and there was someone there saying, hey, there's another way. And in my self-centeredness, I built these walls, and I rushed her in. I remember sitting in the waiting room, just flipping through magazines, just looking at the clock, hoping it would hurry up. And she came out and said it was done. It was about lunchtime, so we went and got some cocktails and a lunch. And as we received our cocktails, I looked her right at her and I said, we'll never talk about this again. And that's how it sat. Fast forward handful of years, um, my mother passed away, and I was her only child, so she spoiled me rotten, left me a bunch of insurance money, and that just fed all of my addictions, all my hurts, all my hang-ups, and so that fast-paced lifestyle that I lived somehow got faster. And so the sex, drugs, and rock and roll was at an even uh, faster pace. My relationship with my dad began to grow more, and he invited me to a Promise Keepers event. I like to call it Man Church. It's basically just a men's uh, event. This happened in Grand Rapids at Van Dandel Arena. In fact, it's the last Promise Keepers that's been in Michigan was at in Grand Rapids. And... It was different. I never experienced anything like that before. The music was fun. There was energy. They had fun things. But there was something about this speaker that was captivating me. To be honest with you, I can't remember a single thing from his message. But he had me. He had me hooked in. It was unbelievable. And then he shared this story about how his mom was a prostitute and his dad was a job. And I'm thinking, how does a guy from those sort of circumstances sit, stand in this arena and he's speaking to thousands of men? And then he begins to talk about Jesus. And he talks about that sin thing and how Jesus wants to take this sin thing. And I don't need to carry that stuff anymore. So I'm up in the the higher part of Van Andel Arena and the stage is down low that way. My dad's over here. And I'm just wrestling with God's will or my will. And, and then I'm standing at a fork in the road where I needed to make a decision of whether I was going to surrender over to God's will in my life or just to continue to go through the turmoil, the hurt, and the pain of my own will. Now, if you're wondering which decision I made, I chose to follow Jesus. And I'm so thankful for that decision. And it's not that it's been rainbows and unicorns since that decision. I've had some very dark moments in my life since following Jesus. But what I can stand here and testify today is my life is full. It is abundant. I have purpose in my life. And the hurt and the pain is gone because of what Jesus has done in my life. And I give him glory for that. Amen. So we have, to, we have to wrestle with this question. And, and if, you, if you're sitting here today and you're a follower of Jesus, I, I hope and pray that you ask this question every single day. 
Now, Paul, he was a, he was a church destroyer to a church planner. He wrote most of our newer testament in the Bible, and he wrote this to the church. He says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. And so this word repent, you, maybe you've never even used that word ever. It simply means changing direction. And so for me, I was going down this path where I would choose what to do with my money. I'm going to choose which relationship I'm going to be. I'm going to choose to not deal with that emotional hurt by feeding it with this addiction and this substance. I'm going to choose how to parent my child this way. I'm going to choose. And so when I came to that fork in the road with God's will, I chose to repent of those mindsets. And I chose to follow God's will to the best of my ability. Don't get me wrong, I struggle with that at times. But now I'm choosing God and what I do with my finances, how I'm going to train my child, how I'm going to love my wife unconditionally, how I'm going to love my family members and my coworkers to the best of my God-given ability. And so Paul's saying, hey, the sorrow and the pain that you have, like, it's not, gonna, it's not the same anymore when you repent and follow Jesus. And so, friends, we need to wrestle with this question. What is God's will in your life? And maybe it's one specific thing in your life. What is God's will? And maybe you already know that you have not been in God's will. You know that that relationship that you're in is not good. You know that some of the choices that you've been doing are self-centered choices. Like we struggle with those things. But today we can repent. We can be in community. We can go to a quiet place and start over. I'm going to play a video. It's a minute and 20 seconds long. And it's a video of someone walking around with a camera through the garden. The garden that Jesus prayed in. And I want us to spend a minute and 20 seconds in the same garden that Jesus was in agonizing sorrow. And if there's something that is stirred up inside of you now, we, we have kneelers here at the front, the, the steps. Maybe you just need to come forward and you need to surrender your will over to God today. You need to start over. And there's something about movement. There's something about this outward expression that does something on the inside. Right before I looked to my dad, I'm looking at the stage down low. I knew my dad was here. I'm sobbing. My heart was beating like crazy. I think my first step of faith was that. When I turned my foot, when I knew I was going to move, I believe that was my first step of faith. And yes, I went with my dad and he put his arm around me and he told me he was proud and he walked me down to the stage and I prayed this prayer and I received Jesus into my heart. But it all started 
with that first movement. And I can tell you, friends, because of that movement, that's the only reason why I get to be on this stage and share this with you today. God be the glory in that. And so maybe for you, you're a follower of Jesus. Today you need some movement. You're wrestling with this thing on the inside, and maybe today you've got to come up here, you've got to come to the altar, and you've got to surrender this over, and you need to accept God's will.